Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. We've got a guest in that has uh, recently uh, written a book called The Inheritance and uh, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. Um, So we'll welcome him now, uh, Christopher Fulton, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Al. Thanks for uh, letting me be on the show. It's my pleasure. So we, we've we've covered the JFK inside and out a hundred times, and uh, <laughs> um, so this is a uh, um, this is this is interesting. It's sort of out of the blue. Um, I hadn't heard of you before, and uh, even the the whole inheritance it all came came out of nowhere. Uh, so now, for the listeners, in case they don't know who you are, who are you, and how did you get into the inheritance? Well, it'd be, uh, I grew up uh, just outside the district in Washington D.C. I was uh, going to uh, go into Annapolis to the Naval Academy there and become a career officer, as many of my family have. But I decided to go into commercial uh, construction and wound up in British Columbia, Canada, building high-rise towers. Uh, but the, uh, the the people, I guess, want to know about what happened with the uh, uh, information that came to me, which uh, uh, came through uh, Evelyn Lincoln, which was President Kennedy's secretary. And uh, that information was transferred on her on her passing uh, uh, to a good friend of mine named Robert White, who had resided in Catonsville, uh, Maryland. Did you know Miss Lincoln? Uh, I knew uh, I knew about Miss Lincoln. I, I had been uh, Robert White really spent the time with her. Basically, he became basically her surrogate uh, son. They didn't have any any children, and uh, 
uh, Evan Lincoln was given instructions by Robert Kennedy, who had uh, uh, collected a lot of evidence and information on his brother's assassination. He withheld it from the uh, investigation of the Warren Commission, withheld it from the FBI, and withheld it from the Johnson administration. And uh, during that period, he did his own investigation on his brother's death. Within about 24 hours after the assassination, he was pretty well briefed on uh, on what had what had taken place. But the uh, the uh, the, the uh, he was trapped in the situation after the assassination and could not uh, not address it with the American public as we were looking at a uh, possible war with Russia. So at that time, he did what was in the best interest of the country and the American uh, people, and. Uh, went ahead and kept that uh, information uh, secured and was hoping to uh, bring that out when he reached the office of the uh, presidency in 1968. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And then the instructions to Evelyn Lincoln, uh, President Kennedy's secretary, and another gentleman who was the uh, head of the protective research section of the Secret Service named Robert Balk, uh, they were both instructed to keep this uh, information uh, secured. and. Uh, to not fall into the hands of, uh, of uh, any agency so they would be classified. The American public would never get a chance to see it, but to keep it secured for the protection of the remaining Kennedy family until such a time that it could be brought forward. Uh, subsequently, uh, upon Mrs. Lincoln's passing, Robert and I uh, found ourselves in possession of uh, you know these materials that uh, basically changed the, the official narrative and. Uh, it was a it was a discovery process for us, and we were approached by many individuals uh, about this, and then we had to try to figure out what to do. So, so um, you didn't know really what it was that was inside um, this 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 file or this item from Miss Lincoln until after she passed. Well, the, uh, the the information that was uh, retained by Miss Lincoln was was a large amount of uh, of uh, you know you're talking about maybe a hundred thousand documents. You're talking about a lot of uh, personal materials. You're talking about inside uh, correspondence uh, of the president. Uh, you're talking about Oval Office recordings, which were made in secret, which was which were uh, put in place by Secret Service agent uh, Balk. He did that to uh, keep everybody on the record when he was uh, falling. And there was a uh, disagreement over how uh, we were going to resolve things with Russia and Cuba. So in 1962, President Kennedy decided to keep everyone on record and put in secret recordings in the Oval Office and in the uh, conference uh, area, so forth, so the uh, so he could keep everybody on record and keep this information of world importance on uh, on, rec- on these recordings. So after the uh, after the uh, assassination, uh, Robert. Uh, Robert Kennedy was reviewing these uh, recordings and when, uh, was utilizing this information to keep to keep his control or his handle on the uh, pulse of the uh, American politics and power so that he could uh, regain the course of his brother, but uh, that didn't happen. So uh, the materials were vast. It's, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a small folder or something of that nature. It was a vast amount of material. I mean, Mrs. Lincoln was with the president on a daily basis and other than his brother was the closest person to him. Um, so she was uh, pretty much uh, given the responsibility uh, to keep these things secured and to keep them uh, to keep the real story and the real information out of the hands of the FBI and the investigation that was uh, under control of the uh, of uh, Lyndon Johnson's administration. Of course, the uh, Warren Commission, I should mention, that came out for the American public uh, uh, was brought out in large regard to the uh, the Russian government putting pressure on the Johnson administration to absolve them from. Uh, responsibility of, this, of the assassination. They were very concerned 
that there might be a first strike, which was uh, definitely on the table, or, or uh, some accidental uh, release of a missiles towards uh, towards them. So they uh, they wanted the Johnson administration to take a position where they would be absolved from that, and so that's uh, the majority of what the Warren Commission was really all about. Wow. So what now? What um, I don't know where to go here. Like, uh, how, how long did it take you to go through all the documents or information, or did you? Well, it, it took it took it took years. But the thing the thing that uh, that would happen to us is this was a legal transfer through through court, and of course the uh, the, the Kennedy family was notified, and the uh, uh, or the children were notified, and the uh, uh, the JFK Library was notified. But they they really didn't understand the, uh, the material that it was secured by Bobby Kennedy. Nobody was had access to it. So. Uh, since Robert Kennedy's death, nobody really knew uh, the weight of what was there, and even the Kennedy family. I was very surprised when I when I contacted them in '96. They weren't aware of it, so it was very surprising to me. So the uh, as this uh, transfer took place, I was uh, I was contacted by CSIS, which is the Canadian Intelligence Service, when I was in British Columbia. They contacted the Central Intelligence Agency about it, and uh, Robert was contacted by President Reagan, who gave him uh, met with him actually in California and met. And gave us both uh, instructions on uh, on what was happening and on what was going to be uh, looked at and how we were going to be called to testify between the, before the assassination record review board about this and that and that we would probably gained the bulk of the uh, important information that Robert Kennedy had kept away uh, from the federal government in the investigation and there's going to be interested parties on this so he gave us some instruction on what what he thought and what should be done and said these things need to be resolved as Americans, not not to fall into the outside of a foreign government or not to come from a, an outside source because it could affect the uh, uh, the trust of the government in, in place and uh, and change our, our uh, democratic process. Uh, that being said, that was, those instructions came to me specific because I had, uh, through my position in uh, Vancouver, I, I was asked to go to, to, to Russia to help... Uh, Establish the flats there, bring them up to spec so that people could come in from foreign countries and uh, and work and live there for oil production. When I was there, I was called into the Kremlin. Well, it was a nice thing to go into the Kremlin and uh, very interesting, but I was called into a meeting by someone I didn't know, and the, uh, the meeting turned out to be the head of their intelligence service. As I was talking to this individual, he was he was aware that we had inherited this material and was basically briefing me in the Kremlin about it. It was very interested in what we were going to do with it. I uh, said there have been many books written on this, and he quoted some numbers, but he said, now you guys have got documented uh, proof of this and what had actually happened and the information that Robert Kennedy had actually shared with us to prevent World War III, so what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, we don't. I didn't uh, I didn't think it was proper to discuss any of that with them, and I just said, well, you know, thank you very much for the meeting, and uh, I've got to go, but I sure was happy that I got out of Russia and, uh, and kissed the ground when I left. Hmm. So, well, did you feel threatened when you were there, or just just an un, uneasy? Well, very uneasy. I mean, I, obviously, they uh, they were interested in talking with me uh, because of this uh, transfer of uh, material, and they had been part of that process through Bobby Kennedy covertly when the assassination had taken place. They wanted to know what I knew, and I wasn't going to. I wasn't. They wanted to debrief me there in the Kremlin. I wasn't interested in that, and I certainly I told the Justice Department what took place there, but the. Uh, uh, I just uh, politely listened and said, thank you very much. I'm sure that you'd have a better conversation with this somebody else. And I and, uh, dismissed myself and hoped I could leave because I knew that the, uh, the gentleman I was talking to was General Alexander Levitt. He was the head of their 
I didn't know who he was, but he was head of the security services there and had run the airport and run the military and was actually running for the presidency of Russia. Uh, and he was very interested in this, so I, I, I was very glad to be able to leave, and nobody, nobody threatened me. Uh, uh, they had offered to, for me to release this through Russia with no, uh, uh, no censorship and said that the U.S. government wouldn't take the same position, and I, uh, I said again, thank you very much for your, for your conversation, but I think I better go. Well, what do, what do you, what was in it? Do you think that they were so concerned about, or what do you think they thought was in it? Well, they, their their concern is they were they were made out to be the bad guy during you know bad, the bad uh, uh, people during the Cold War, and and, and uh, as this was building up, of course, uh, uh, President Kennedy uh, uh, inherited a lot of this uh, uh, post-war uh, concern. There was a there were certainly plans on the table to uh, to become to stay the superpower of the world, and and with these uh, new weapons of mass destruction and how it was going to be handled. So, I think plans of that that, that we were exposed to, we were looking at, is a first strike of Moscow. They were looking at a first strike, and that and they thought that that would be a way to to, uh, to take out the uh, communist uh, concern, and that the rest of Russia would just simply fall into line if that was done. But as we came to 1962 uh, and 1963, it fell onto the President Kennedy's desk, and uh, into the into the part where we were actually looking at a first strike. And uh, Robert Kennedy had looked at the numbers of a uh, American. Uh, civilian casualties on that uh, contingency, and it was looking about 42 million American dead, even on first strike, and of course Cuba was the catalyst for all of this, and they, uh, the brothers did take, took a position at that point to say, no, no, this isn't, uh, this is, isn't acceptable, that there, there is no winning side, if an exchange takes place, uh, there will be no winners, and in that case, uh, they dedicated, uh, President Kennedy dedicated his life to this, uh, to this effort, of course the uh, the American public is is very aware of uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and and they've looked at best and looked at uh, uh, with some uh, depth. But that, but this problem went on. It went on. It didn't it didn't uh, resolve there. And uh, President Kennedy was forced to uh, work uh, outside the parameters of the intelligence briefings and outside the parameters of the Pentagon, and, and was doing his best to, to uh, put forward his uh, his agenda on this and how to resolve the problem, which was to go to the source and to. Uh, to resolve this in a way that uh, didn't result in any American lives lost. He certainly wasn't interested in the, uh, uh, the Vietnam War either, which came out of the Pentagon, which was a 10-year planned uh, war to uh, to uh, stop the not only stop the spread of communism uh, in, in Asia, but to uh, to put asunder to the Russians that we were weak in any way. That Americans, you know, American resolve was weak. If women and children had to be uh, taken out in mass, we would do that. We would show the resolve to the Russians that we had that ability and. Uh, we were not to be messed with. Of course, Johnson gave him that that war, and uh, President Kennedy was going to pull our advisors back. He thought it was a, a war they had to fight on their own. And the uh, he said uh, on the recordings he was going to be the least uh, popular president in 1964 with his own government. But uh, I, you know, obviously that didn't happen. He, his plans for how things were uh, going to be put in place didn't uh, didn't follow through. So. Now, within the papers, have you had a chance to go through most of them, and do you know uh, the bulk of what is in uh, all the documents? Well, I've looked at I looked at many many things. I looked at the raw uh, raw information from the uh, that administration. I'm, I'm, I, these things are not censored in any way. They weren't put they weren't put in through any process of censorship. So we're we're getting we were looking at the raw information out of the White House and the raw information from uh, Robert Kennedy's desk. And uh, it was uh, it, it was very uh, 
heartfelt uh, by both of us. Uh, you know, I, I was the first person to listen to uh, the Oval Office recordings that President Kennedy had made uh, with, with the individuals involved uh, since uh, Robert Kennedy's assassination. So here I am listening to this one-on-one with the president talking about the matters of uh, national concern, the highest national concern, the highest national interest. And the uh, I can tell you this, it's extremely moving. I mean, he was a... Uh, a constitutional president doing things in a very different way and uh, working totally on the benefit of the American public. He, he thought that uh, no American life should be used as pawns and no American life was uh, was to be sacrificed in any way. He was very concerned about the uh, the Constitution and the uh, and the, the well-being of the American uh, public. So now that you have this and now that you're, you've, you've got all this um, what made you decide to release this now in a book? Well, I, uh, my, uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die with this or leave it to my children. I thought the uh, the American people needed to know this information. Uh, my name appears on the uh, assassination record review board uh, investigation that happened under President Clinton. My name appears there, but there is missing information. Uh, there is a box file missing. It has to do with myself and Robert White and Evelyn Lincoln and, and this uh, this ongoing process of what uh, what had come to a head in about 1998. So I felt that uh, that that information did not come out under the release of the National Archives. And uh, politics is on everybody's heart and minds right now in the country. We're not in a, a very good place, I don't think. I think we've uh, regressed in a lot of ways. And uh, the assassination of President Kennedy and the assassination of uh, uh, Robert Kennedy are uh, are pivotal points in history that uh, basically uh, those policy changes and the uh, shift in American power led us to where we are today. Uh, Kennedy, Kennedy believed and said that the American people would make uh, good decisions and correct decisions if they were well informed, and I agree with that. And uh, the American public has not been informed on this issue, and I, I understand the reasons why. After reviewing this material, I do see very clearly the uh, even Robert Kennedy was trapped in this, and he had to uh, co-agree, as it were, to keep us out of a uh, out of harm's way and out of war, but uh, you know, my my father had uh, filmed uh, President Kennedy's inaugural speech, a very cold day in Washington, and for the uh, uh, general con- uh, general contractors of America, and you know, then President Kennedy had asked uh, asked what you can do for your country, and this is uh, writing this book is what I can do for my country. Now. Now, in the information in here, do 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 what are people going to get from this the most? Well, I, I believe that the, the most they're going to understand from it is the fact that this was an ongoing concern for the for the government that the enough mud has been put on mud that they still are uh, the other Justice Department and the other agencies, the Security Oversight Office, got involved with us in 1998. And basically uh, stated that both Robert White and myself had national security information had to be dealt with. I was, I was a, he Robert White got the uh, subpoena from the uh, Justice Department to testify. I, that document was very uh, all encumbersome and, uh, and included me to testify. But they thought the evidence that I had was uh, going to change the narrative, the official narrative. So they didn't uh, they didn't want me to testify in front of the board. So they brought me in an, under a sealed warrant and indictment. Uh, under a national security ticket, and I was put through that processing. Now, I, I was also interrogated uh, in secret, uh, uh, which is sealed, uh, in front of the Justice Department and the uh, intelligence services on this, so that they would get up to speed and uh, understand uh, who was involved and who had been contacted and who I, who I might be working for and what the agenda would be. 
but nobody knows about uh, any of that. Uh, the evidence that uh, you know that I possessed uh, basically uh, was you know some I had the closest physical evidence to uh, President Kennedy's uh, head wounds. It was in the car in Dallas, and uh, you know this was uh, in- integral physical evidence that Robert Kennedy had used to stop uh, prevent World War III to show that there, the official story that came out about this wasn't correct. And then it showed complicity uh, uh, in uh, the Secret Service and different individuals, uh, including Lyndon Johnson. So uh, Robert Kennedy was made uh, very complicit in all this in order to preserve world peace, and I, I commend him on that. I can't see where he had any other choice than to do what he did. And and, and uh, but personally, this must have been extremely cruciating, excruciating, and difficult uh, decisions for him to make. So okay, so now. And so, what exactly is your is your theory from from the information of coming like this? What do you think happened to JFK? Well, uh, President Kennedy, like I say, he had a, he was making a lot of decisions that were different than than uh, what they expect him to do. When he came in and uh, came in in 1960, uh, uh, Johnson had come in on the ticket, and Johnson was there to protect the interests of certain in certain uh, factions, including the uh, uh, some of the organized crime that was in the country, and uh, and other things, and then uh, in '62 and '63, President Kennedy had changed direction. Uh, you know, one one instance of that is he was promised uh, by the Central Intelligence Agency that uh, when the Bay of Pigs was going to happen, that the uh, Central Intelligence Agency came in, so we promised we're going to take Castro out. We're going to we're going to make sure that's done from the inside. Once he falls, uh, the Poppy uprising will take place. We don't need a large landing force here, and then and this will happen. Uh, in a way that we planned it to happen. Well, President Kennedy stood behind that and put uh, they put forth a small landing uh, force to, to handle this. We were wiped out, and of course, uh, Castro didn't fall, so he didn't trust the CIA after that. And they, there was a falling out uh, between the administration and the Central Intelligence Agency and the Pentagon. So the uh, uh, that's when Kennedy really took it to heart to record everything and start working outside the parameters of the normal. Uh, uh, office of the president, and uh, they were very upset by that, but going around that system, and the and it, but it was working. Uh, but uh, there were plans on the table to uh, to push President Kennedy into a corner to invade uh, Cuba, uh, and uh, to continue that process even after the Bay of Pigs. And uh, uh, President Kennedy was very aware that his uh, that it may be a uh, False flag operation that put him in a put him in a position with the American public people that he had no choice but to follow through with that. But he, he knew that would be a mistake, so he's trying to do everything he could to uh, to avoid that. At the same time, uh, have it handled so that we didn't uh, we didn't go to a, a nuke exchange, which was uh, ultimately the idea of a lot of people in the Pentagon thought that was the way it was ultimately going to happen, and we we should do it while the gap was heavily in our favor. Hmm. So. What's, what's the, the biggest secret involved in this that hasn't really been out? Well, I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of information that hasn't been out. I, I, I think the American public is, uh, you know, of course, the, the official government position on this isn't the Warren Commission is not correct. The Warren Commission was done for purpose and for reason. Um, I don't think they, that people understand what Bobby Kennedy was facing uh, uh, immediately after the uh, assassination uh, he didn't uh, he certainly didn't trust the CIA he was trying to weed out the, uh, the bad elements of that when it was happening and the uh, 
the FBI was the same uh, sort of problem. He didn't have a good relationship with uh, with Hoover, but he, you know, the U.S. he called the U.S. Marshals, Marshal Service. There was a hundred marshals, I believe, that was available to him, uh, and they all volunteered to come uh, protect him after that uh, it happened at uh, Hickory Hill. But the, uh, um, you know, there's a, there's there's just too much uh, too much information to cover under a, a one sentence or or paragraph topic that. Uh, uh, I think it really needs to be addressed over over an overall view so that people can get a very clear picture of uh, uh, you know what was happening. So there was quite a few uh, people involved and quite a bit quite a different aspect to this than just um, something straightforward. Um, is there anything to mention about Oswald in any of the documents? Oswald, uh, well, there there certainly was, and Oswald. Uh, has been looked at in history in a very wrong way. He's been written up very, very uh, incorrectly. The uh, uh, Oswald was a very intelligent uh, young man and was a very determined young man to make a difference in the world. Of course, he made a difference in the wrong in a way that he didn't expect, and it it it, uh, it didn't go the right way. But he he uh, he touched a lot of factions that were uh, you know was uh, one of the reasons why he was so. Uh, people so interested to utilize him, and of course, a lot of the information that you're seeing in Oswald's files that people uh, rely on to uh, gain information when they're looking into this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Correct. The information was placed there uh, for specific agendas that were, he was being utilized for uh, during that period of time. So as you're, as you're looking at this, you're not getting the uh, correct uh, uh, picture of... Uh, of Oswald, and that uh, that's uh, that's a sad story in itself, and, and hopefully maybe that could be corrected at some point. But uh, um, well, was he yes, part of the CIA? Yes. What, what do you think uh, Oswald was part of the CIA or, or any of those? Like, what, what's your thoughts on him? Well, I can only I can only I can only say what I've uh, witnessed or seen or read. I mean, uh, uh, I, I I'll tell you this and. Uh, he was uh, definitely an informant through the FBI, and he was giving information to the FBI, and the uh, and uh, that information was coming in as a coded uh, number, and so that nobody could identify who he was, and that coded number was recognized in uh, and uh, Robert Kennedy's office. So uh, maybe I'll just leave it there. But the uh, he uh, he provided information that was good. He had provided information previously that was good. And I think he was at, he was operating and being asked to operate uh, for agenda, and the agenda uh, turned on him. So he uh, he was a perfect patsy for the situation in Dallas. He wasn't he wasn't involved as people uh, know him to be involved, and uh, it's, the history should correct that. Hmm. And and now with Robert Kennedy himself. Um, do you think that if he would have lived longer, he would have had um, more of a chance to expose a lot of this? Robert Kennedy was uh, forced into a position that 24 hours after the assassination took place, uh, he went from maybe the, uh, well, he, he was, he was the second most powerful person in the world. Uh, uh, some You might even consider him a, a co-presidency. He was that close to his brother. But he went from that position uh, as Attorney General to uh, an ineffective uh, lawyer at best within 24 hours he was cut off and people don't uh, r realize how, how extreme that was of a uh, reversal and the uh, he was trying to figure out how to uh, how to uh, address this now he if he had uh, if he'd taken his time to uh, go a different direction things might have go, gone very badly he took first of all he had to determine whether uh, who was involved uh, in the assassination and what kind of implications that had for, for the world once he once he figured that out uh, he could direct his attention to uh, absolving the uh, Russian government, who was ready to uh, uh, have an exchange with us and give them assurances that he would not pursue anything that would lead uh, down that path, and he would do everything he could to make sure that that wasn't going to be a problem. Next, he had to sign agreements uh, uh, very orchestrated carefully that uh, stated that he would not be testifying in any way about this. He would not be testifying in front of the Warren Commission about this, and that he... Uh, you know, he was not aware or had possession of any evidence that would change the position. Well, that wasn't uh, that wasn't necessarily uh, correct, but he was very clever in how he did all of that. The, uh, but his intention, uh, uh, once he got, you know, he, he gained the becoming a senator from New York, but his intention was once he got to the White House, once he made that decision, he had agreements with Johnson, and uh, Johnson would not accept the uh, second nomination or for his ticket that decided he would not run against Bobby Kennedy. They had discussed this, and he went ahead and... Uh, with that, but he made a speech uh, 
at a university, and uh, someone asked him a question, caught him off guard, caught him in an emotional moment, and he had said that uh, he would open up the files and the Warren Commission uh, uh, information when it was appropriate. Now, that was a bad uh, bad mistake to make that public statement, but it cost him greatly. But the uh, his intention it was to uh, release this information or talk about this and have his, uh, his official investigation done on and show showing what he uh, was aware of uh, when he reached the office of the President of the United States. So another key member mentioned in a lot of theories on JFK was uh, Johnson himself. Is there any um, determination or any sort of indication of how um, Johnson was involved or how his relationship with uh, Bobby Kennedy was after the assassination? Well, you know, Bobby Kennedy was going to bury Johnson. Uh, there was no doubt about that. He was not going to be on the 64 ticket. Uh, you know, the, Johnson was trying to keep uh, to keep get his uh, concerns or problems that he had had over defense contracting and his sticky fingers involving and put the Kennedy's fingers in that, and they had to be careful how they dealt with that. But uh, he certainly was going to be on his way out. But uh, Johnson had uh, made arrangements uh to uh, to give the okay that he, he would uh, okay the Vietnam uh, uh, conflict that that would be on the table and certainly that would be a big uh, help in resolving the tension of uh, between the Soviet Union and the United States and then uh, with Cuba and the uh, and uh, giving his thumbs up on a lot of different things so he he uh, on that day he even made some uh, given some orders that uh, that uh, made sure that that. Uh, it wasn't a false flag attempt on the president uh, to push him in that he was, uh, you know, going to be taken out uh, uh, that afternoon. So uh, Johnson was well aware of the situation. So, so how did their relationship go then after? Did did Kennedy and uh, Bobby Kennedy and uh, Johnson not have a good relationship? To the public, uh, obviously, you, what you saw was you saw a, a close related. John, President Johnson made sure he kept very close with uh, Robert Kennedy and, uh, and and Jack McKennedy. He wanted to make sure that the American public understood that there was a transfer of power, that it seemed to be a, a legitimate transfer of power. He, you know, in calling uh, Jack McKennedy up to the front of the plane when he was sworn in, that, that was all orchestrated to make sure the American people seemed that this was a legitimate uh, transfer. But uh, behind the scenes, uh, there was a lot of hatred and venom here. And I can only imagine what that must have felt like. But Jacqueline Kennedy, for example, had to talk with other heads of state about this, uh, one of them being France, and had a private investigation. Their intelligence services do an investigation on this. Their intelligence services came back with the determination that uh, President Johnson would, was involved uh, directly. And, uh, of course, uh, Robert Kennedy had notified the Russians that President uh, Johnson had been involved and showed them evidence to that fact, which was in my possession of why and how he was. So uh, the uh, the government of France, once they notified Jacqueline Kennedy of this, it said, "Well, listen, we'll uh, we'll cut off diplomatic relations with the United States. We don't want to be any part of the Johnson administration. We'll, we'll support and back you. And if Robert Kennedy wants to take power and expose this and uh, change the uh, power structure, that we're but we'll stand behind it." But uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson had notified that the, the government of France. Uh, that we will uh, take war reparations and we'll go across France and dig up all our American uh, soldiers and cause them all, all kinds of problems. And, of course, France had to back down. But the uh, the administration, Johnson administration, was holding on very carefully to the fact that uh, and pushing the buttons on the uh, World War III issue so they could hold the power and uh, continue to do so. And then, of course, as it came in with, uh, with uh, President Nixon, uh, that he was approved by Johnson to make sure that his administration would not be... Uh, uh, Diminished or put into an illegal category or uh, 
spirited anyway, and that was an agreement that was put in place before uh, uh, Nixon had uh, reached the White House. What kind of relationship did the um, personal secretary, Lincoln, and um, Bobby Kennedy have? Like, uh, were they fairly close? Were, uh, was she close with the rest of the family? She was close with uh, uh, John F. Kennedy. She had been with him uh, as a senator for many, many years. I think she was with him for 12 years, but the, uh, she was very, very close with him. And so that because of that trust and that bond, uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy assumed that that was a uh, someone that he would trust and, and someone that he would. But Bobby Kennedy was actually a little bit, uh, if you want to know the truth, and what I've read and what I've looked at, a little bit intimidated of Evelyn Lincoln. I'm not exactly sure why, but at the... Uh, but as this uh, uh, progressed, Evelyn Lincoln was scared to death after the assassination. She was terrified that uh, when Johnson had come to the office, didn't know what was going to happen, and she was scared. She she had she had overheard uh, uh, through her husband uh, that he had overheard the the agents discussing him being shot at at Dallas. This was in Washington uh, before he left on the Texas trip, and she informed him. She said, "Listen, this has been discussed. He's going to be shot at." He said, I, "I'm aware of that. I I understand that." And the uh, my, don't worry, my information is uh, is good, and that the uh, uh, they can get me anywhere they want. He was, you know, President Kennedy was extremely brave about all this. I mean, he took this on as a personal, uh, uh, the most important thing in his life. It wasn't uh, it wasn't simply just being a, uh, a president of the United States and, and peacetime. He was looking at this as a as a uh, whether the uh, survival of the world was going to continue, if we were going to have freedom, or we're not going to have freedom, or how this was going to work, and took this on as a personal issue, that if he had to sacrifice his life for this, that that's, that's exactly what he was going to do, and that's exactly what he did. Now, what in this um, book can you say actually describes how, it, how what's happened is shaping our world today and perhaps the future in, in, in government? Oh my God! If you listen to the recordings, you could you the things that the president is talking about uh, from from everything, including uh, you know using over over leverage of a national security a ticket to uh, to hide agendas or to hide uh, uh, political gain or or people not uh, not having the interest of the American public in mind anymore that this thing would go on to its own entity. I mean everything everything the man says has come to fruition. We're living it. We're here. And uh, so it, it, the, the words uh, ring as clear as day if they were spoken yesterday instead of 1962 or 63. Uh, he was even ahead of the intelligence services. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was just amazed. The, the people that he was involved speaking with knew things uh, in advance uh, that what history says that uh, he was briefed on. So I'm, I'm listening to this and saying, my God, the man, the man was aware of the, uh, that there were missiles uh, in Cuba. Uh, before he was uh, supposedly briefed by the Central Intelligence Agency that they were there. The man was, man was working uh, uh, outside the parameters of that to give him a clearer picture of the world and, and a way to really uh, to work it uh, for the betterment of, uh, of the United States and the people of the United States. At the time that Kennedy was assassinated, he, was, uh, he had a believer reporter or someone of that ilk uh, talking with Castro to try to get his cooperation, gain his cooperation in uh, the U.N. inspections and all that sort of thing so that they could have a peaceful resolve to this. Uh, that was the same day that uh, Kennedy was killed. Of course, they had a backup plan that wasn't uh, wasn't as pleasant, and uh, there was a there was a nine day countdown to this resolve uh, when he went to Dallas, and uh, the American people don't know anything about that. 
that this this was you know his brothers were going to come into the Oval Office after him. That was the plan, and the uh, he didn't want to leave them with a worse uh, scenario than what he was dealing with. And of course, the you know, the numbers was as, as these uh, weapons increased and the uh, masses increased, the, the uh, development of this, there'd be only more and more people were killed. So he. Uh, he was very concerned about resolving it before he uh, before he left office, and he wanted a democratic and free Cuba by 1964. But people don't; uh, you know, those issues aren't discussed. I don't think because uh, they haven't been given out. They didn't, you know, it's not something for someone to do uh, to debate or understand or uh, to make decisions, a better decisions of where we are now, based on uh, where we where we were. So we've not really progressed. We've, in my in my opinion, we've. Uh, we go in the opposite direction, and we, we're way farther down the line of, of problems and separations and divisions in this country than where we should be. Wow. So it, is there anything in the book that you see or in the information that you saw um, that you think would uh, rectify and, and help us get more on a, a right direction? If we can't openly discuss uh, who we are as Americans and uh, you know where the country's been and where we're going, uh, we're left with this uh, this hole or this divide that doesn't give us any uh, foundation to work from. And I think the uh, I think those assassinations are still a gaping wound in this country. And uh, you got to ask yourself, my God, if you watch a uh, History Channel program or you or you and I are talking about this right now, or you know we had a certain feeling of. Uh, of moving in the right direction or a certain feeling of uh, being proud as Americans and uh, what we were doing and what was going on. And, and we lost that. So the, uh, I think that uh, the country really wants to get back to that sort of idea. And I think to do that, we've got to uh, look at the foundations of where we went off track and decide, okay, well, we made a left instead of right. So let's figure out the, how we want to pick up the pieces and go and move from here. It's, of course, the justice department explained to me that they're not going to go backwards on this and, and there's no prosecutions that's going to be uh, gained from this, so they're not going to even pursue it. But the, uh, I don't think it should be pursued, anything other than the fact that the information should be on the table, the American public should be informed, and then, and then the pieces can be picked up and we move forward with a better direction. What do you hope people get out of this? Well, I hope they understand that the... Uh, that we are a uh, a great nation, and the uh, and that that period of time, and uh, these people sacrificed everything they had to sacrifice. There wasn't anything more they could give. They uh, they were working for the betterment of the country uh, for us. And uh, I think the scenario, if, if Nixon had been uh, President Nixon had been in office in, in 1960, this could have gone very differently. Or maybe we weren't, we wouldn't be standing here. I don't know, but that's uh, that's all hypothetical. But the uh, I want people to understand that this is an ongoing concern. That I was involved—I've I, I, lost years of my lives. I've lost my my mother. I've lost family members. I've lost uh, uh, friends and over this, and, and even in, up into the late '90s and uh, 2000s, I spent time in the federal prison over this, and it paid a very high price. So, in in that regard, I I have I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, and I hope that I can uh, in this book that people can. Uh, Look, look at that, and then they, they can just ascertain through their filter what what they will from it. But uh, that it helps move us in a positive direction. Now, the um, the Kennedys now and Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, do they have any interaction with this or support of this, or do they talk about any anything to do with the inheritance? 
Well, they, they, from what I understand, they've been, you know, they, they've been told the book, you know, is, is out. And of course, uh, Caroline Kennedy had been uh, briefed on this uh, very, you know, not in full, but uh, had been touch base on this in 1996. But there is some uh, discrepancy, from what I understand, in how the Kennedy family wants to deal with this. On the one side of the fence, uh, uh, they've got uh, Robert Kennedy's side, and his papers uh, on all of these things, his private papers, which. Uh, my evidence involved his side of it and some of those private papers that had slipped through and actually uh, mistakenly had gone to the National Archives. I think it were declassified around 1992. But the, uh, a lot of his information and his private papers are still being withheld to this day. They don't want to, they don't want to let them out. Uh, his uh, widow doesn't want to let them out uh, arbitrarily and, until something is uh, decided. But the family is split on this issue and how they want to handle it. And I don't know all the parameters of their uh, connections or who... Uh, you know, but they they paid a, a tremendous price, a tremendous price, and I have to respect uh, that idea. But I also have to balance this line out of what I think the American people should understand and know versus uh, the privacy and the respect for the Kennedy family. Was there something that you found in the papers that uh, um, people might be really shocked about? Was there some sort of uh, something that has been in general thought in the public and the paper is the papers actually uh, turn it out to be completely false well I mean I can think of a, a quite a lot of things but one of the one of the things that just came to my mind was a uh, the touching uh, some of the touching the letters I've seen between uh, uh, President Kennedy and his wife uh, just before Dallas I mean the uh, a lot of people say that that, uh, that relationship uh, didn't have any love in it, but I can tell you that uh, after reading uh, one of the letters uh, that they had uh, talked about having uh, a bigger first, continuing on with the family, that they did love each other, and the uh, and the uh, what happened in Dallas was an extremely uh, shocking and tragic thing uh, uh, for Jacqueline Kennedy. I can I can't I can't imagine the loneliness. Still here. Oh yeah, pause there for a second there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, there's an uh, I there just seems to be an, un an incoming call, so I don't know how that works on this. But the uh, I can only imagine that uh, Jackie Kennedy, uh, what she had gone through uh, during that period, because she had to hold all of this uh, back uh, uh, for for Robert Kennedy, for the benefit of Robert Kennedy, for the benefit of the country, and uh, she had to be very stoic, and it was a extremely difficult thing for her. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could imagine. Um, so, what do you plan on doing? Like, what do you hope comes from this? Like, when you're you're releasing the book, um, you're touring it now, obviously, uh, doing talks about it. Um, what is it you want people to get from this, or what do you want them to do? What kind of reaction are you looking for? I, I, you know, the reactions that I've got. When you do something like this, you don't know what's uh, going to come from it. You don't know if you're going to be. Uh, uh, a positive force or something else will come of it, but the, uh, the reactions of people that have actually read the book, and this, and this, this comes from all walks of life, whether you're a housewife or you're a, a federal judge or somebody who is a very well versed in all of this, and I've gotten all of that, the responses have been overwhelmingly positive. So it, I've, in a lot of ways, that's been very healing for me. I, uh, I've gone through this a very lonely, uh, lonely, uh, position and I've kept this uh, to myself for uh, 20 uh, 24 years and it's uh, it's been difficult but uh, you know I've had a lot of my own personal healing to do with the uh, 
I thought it was uh, important to do this, and I and uh, it really is just a journey. I've, I've tried to take people just on a journey of what it was like on the inside of this, uh, having uh, President Reagan involved and being briefed and. Uh, uh, learning, uh, learning what it, uh, the history of the United States that, they, that people don't know, and then trying to uh, to bring that out in 1998. Of course, uh, you know, John F. Uh, Kennedy Jr. had contacted me and wanted this evidence for a very. Uh, uh, it was very important to him and the uh, uh, the lawyers, uh, the lawyer for uh, President Clinton. Of course, the Clintons both wrote me in prison. But the I wanted to just take people on the journey of what this was like, and it was it was extremely unusual and, and kind of a, a difficult. Uh, Journey, but if I take people through the steps of this, they can uh, put that through the filter of whatever they uh, feel as Americans, and then uh, come to their own conclusion. And, and I hope it just makes things uh, better for the country. And I've had some people uh, that have lived through that time cry and, and openly cry and weep and say, "Thank you for giving us some closure on this." And I, I was just extremely moved by that. And. Uh, uh, you know, I, I apologized to them. I didn't want to make them cry, but at the same time, they said no. That was uh, this has been a very, uh, very emotionally healing. So, I, in that regard, I think that uh, I've, I've uh, gotten some very positive feedback on it. And if that could be multiplied and it could have a, a, a positive effect on the country, I, I, I feel good about that because it's not just uh, this is a story of what happened. It doesn't belong just to me. It, uh, it belongs to the American public and it, uh, the American people. It, uh, and I uh, owe it. To, to my mother, who passed away, and to uh, JFK Jr. and uh, President Kennedy and Senator Robert Kennedy, and of course uh, Evelyn Lincoln, who was very stoic through this as well. Uh, the, the American public need to know uh, uh, what I was exposed to, and uh, and so they can understand it better. So now you have a website, I understand, and uh, maybe give that website out to people. Yeah, the website is uh, C M Fulton dot com. So that's C M Fulton F U L T O N dot com. And if they go to the website, they can uh, they can see commentary by uh, different individuals. It gives you a little better feel for what uh, what the experience of the book may be like. And there's a short video on there that, that explains some of it. And uh, uh, they can uh, they can see if that's something that interests them, or maybe somebody they know that might be interested. So I recommend that you uh, check that out. And uh, the book is on sale now, I believe, right? It's out? The book comes out uh, November 22nd. There's been pre-sales. It's, uh, it is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and other... Uh, but there's also an uh, e-book that I think is through Sony and, uh, and Apple. And uh, So it is uh, readily out there, but the, uh, the release of this officially is the 22nd coming up here at the anniversary. And that's called The Inheritance. Uh, the Inheritance, poison, poison fruit of, of uh, JFK's assassination. Fantastic. So now uh, we will have this on our website as well. All the radio stations that pick it up and play will have this. So you can go to uh, look for um, Chris Fulton, and you'll see him under the guest list. Uh, you'll see a picture of the book. Just one click, it take you to his website or to his books, and uh, help yourself. And and you don't mind if people get in contact with you if, if they have some information, do you? No, no, that's perfectly fine, and I, uh, if we're, uh, I'd like to thank you for uh, having me on today, and I appreciate that. Oh, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. Again, our guest has been Christopher Fulton, and we've been talking about the inheritance, and that's poisoned fruit of JFK's assassination, and the book will be on sale in two days. Again, thank you. Thank you very much, Al. 
To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts or shows go to www.houseofmystery.com show is over for now was it as good for you as it was for me well good night this has been a production of something weird media i'll be back